0: Everybody, my name is Samantha Zessi.
1: My name is Roy George Probe, the first.
0: And this is Masculinity. Thank you so much for joining us again this week.
1: Like, I don't know if you remember, but when we were talking to our good friend Eric Bussey from uh, Scouts for Equality, we talked to quickly about, like, American nostalgia. And if there's any king of American nostalgia, king, prince, it's me. Uh... I'm always looking backwards, rose-tinted, hipster glasses always. And for some reason this morning, I saw Boy Meets World was on. And I was like,
0: Topanga, what's up? And it
1: was the series finale. And I was like, oh, I definitely got to watch this. And I was expecting it to be horrible, but it wasn't. It was so good, and it hit all the right nostalgia chords just strumming hard. I was just back into it. And yeah, Topanga Lawrence, like, girl, you bet. (laughs) Like, when I was in high school, my first locker I ever got, like, I was so proud because I printed out on my mom's, like, desktop printer a picture of Topanga Lawrence, cut it out with some kitchen scissors, taped it on that locker uh, door, and every time I opened my, like, freshman locker, there was Topanga (laughs) Lawrence.
0: Amazing. That's like so quintessentially American, which you just described like that's something that, you know, I'm the most quintessential American <clears throat> there is. Right. I mean, I'm evidently brown. so. Continue. That's it. Oh, that was it. <laughs> OK. Um. So what I watched actually this week was have you seen Chris Rock's Tambourine yet?
1: Yeah, they shot that at BAM. Uh, oh, I started watching it and I was like, I don't really care. I don't think I like stand up comedy that much.
0: Oh, I see. I love stand up, and I mean, I love stand up, and I, I love Chris Rock. But you know, there's something. I think there's something new in the way that I'm seeing things these days because I was like, Chris Rock, why are you so old school? Like he was saying all this stuff about like you know the way that men and women act. Fine, like I'm expecting. I don't know. I think he's supposed to be like as late forties. I'm expecting that kind of talk. Actually, for most people, no matter what your age are is right, but he said shit like. Oh, uh, you know, men don't really own their homes. You know, like the minute you marry somebody, you gotta know that she's gonna take the house if you if she leaves you or if you leave her, no matter what. Like that house is not yours. It's not yours, you know. And I was like, I'm sure part of that is true in the legal system. Like I feel like you know, in terms of like definitely marriage and parenting. It's funny to women see are,
1: Chappelle and Rocks like bits have become old hat in like less than a decade, right? Like a new culture that is the millennial culture that gets shat on for being millennials and blah 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 we're we're I don't know privileged and whatever, yet your old like shtick of being an angry man just kind of doesn't work anymore. Sorry.
0: Right, and you know what was funny about that is like he's like talking about his kids or whatever being in um like, like he's talking about like his as- an assembly for his kid's school. He goes there and like teacher goes up and is like. You can be anything you want. He's, like, making this joke about how, like, he sees at least 60 Uber drivers in the crowd and, like, how you can't lie to these kids. I'm like, homie, you made a living out of being a stand-up comedian. What do you mean you can't be anything that you want to be? Like, what are you talking about? But, you know, one thing that he did say was that men are only loved if they can provide something, which, but that's really how he feels. He's like talking about his divorce and like basically competing with his wife and all of that and like i get what what, what i want to highlight about that is this is that what like the problematic things that he was sharing up until that moment all became contextualized by this idea that like nobody cares about men unless they are performing masculinity in the sense in in the way that we want and expect them to which i don't agree with that obviously but it's important for that to be highlighted and for to understand that a lot of men feel this way and it dictates the action. And a lot of women feel this way. A lot of people feel this way. So
1: yeah, I don't. I think you're very on, you're onto something. And I know I feel this way. And I think a lot of men feel this way that a lot of our value and our self worth, there is none of it if there's nothing that we can bring to the table. And I think that's a very human issue. But we've so kind of partitioned ourselves off, whether it's by gender or whether it's by sexual orientation or whether it's by even in like career status, like we only offer what we're only worth what we can bring to the table. And that's kind of unfortunate because really what we bring to the table is our humanity. And we bring that to one another and we bring our experiences to one another and we just bring ourselves. And that should be enough uh, to be worth all the love in the world and all the gratitude in all the world and all the uh, hope and then the hope that we bring for it. Shout
0: another. out to Ramoy with the poetic today. I love it. Um. Anyway,
1: Shout out to Boy Meets World for teaching me (laughs) to hope and to believe and Mr. Feeney. Oh, Mr. Feeney, you taught me so many things.
0: What what are we going to talk about today? I mean, I think we can't really not talk about Parkland. I feel like, you know, since we started this show, unfortunately, you know, we've we've seen an unreasonable amount of instances of public and private violence and have had that to talk about. And unfortunately, you know, Parkland happened recently, and there have been many articles and speeches linking masculinity to the extreme act that is mass shooting. And, uh, you know, given that, when the latest, well, I think at this point, we've there's probably been a couple more that we haven't heard of yet, unfortunately, but, you know, the one that's making headlines in Parkland, Florida, at Stoneman Douglas High School, happened on valentine's day this year and at the time that it happened it was the 18th mass shooting since the beginning of the year so that's 43 days since the beginning of since the beginning of the year and it, and it's basically i mean that's like more than help me with math that's a little a little less than every other day that there's been um a mass shooting so you know and, and what's interesting about that is if we look at the profile of the shooters there's one defining characteristic right they're all dudes and I feel like we're you doing our usual thing, right? I mean, actually, it's not very usual because the gun control debate has kind of gone buck wild with like arming teachers and all this kind of stuff. I mean, it, it's crazy, but I think that one of the things that's resounding in every single, unfortunately, instance that we are talking about mass shootings is that we're not, we're putting Band-Aids on the bigger issue, which is what drives a human being to act out in this way, specifically if we know that they're all guys. And you know when we're talking about school shootings, they're all they're all young guys, right? What drives them to 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 act the way that they do to actually carry out these heinous acts? And we almost always address masculinity or the performance of masculinity in our case as an afterthought.
1: Yeah, I mean you're right, like us in this his conversation, it really seems like that should be at the forefront of this discussion, like this identification and then this discussion of masculinity. One, to, one thing you know to consider is that this violence always feels warranted when it's as a reaction or in revenge. In Parkland, this shooter reportedly decided to open fire in a school leading to 15 deaths because a situation with a girl didn't Go the way he wanted. Think about that. Now, everyone has to feel it. If he felt wrong, why wasn't there another way to deal with his pain? And, like, consider that association, his and pain. Masculinity and pain. Consider that why wasn't there another way for masculinity a person utilizing masculinity being forced fed masculinity wearing the mask of masculinity to deal with his pain
0: yeah and i think you know i feel like when we when we talk about like mass shootings in general there's like the sense of like oh well they're inevitable and like you know there's just like how are
1: they inevitable i don't understand that. i mean fine
0: in this case, this had been on pe- on people's radar, right? He was like on the F.B.R.'s radar, uh, the F.B.I.'s radar. You know, there were there were there were the public instances and examples of his rage, and also foreshadowing the fact that he was planning to make this happen, and nobody took it seriously, you know. And so, you know, as we talk about like gun control, which everybody is obviously thinking about very actively, we talk we think about mental health, which. You know, on on one side of the aisle, people are always talking about. On the other side of the aisle, it's like, what do you mean, mental health? Would you say, it's not a thing. right? It's not a thing. It's like we have to take a look at what, as as society, we start to we start to respond to, right? I mean, why is it mental health being take, be, being taken seriously? But also, it's like. Why can't we? Even if it's not mental health, even if it's—I mean, I have various theories about it, right? It's like there's like this notion of entitlement, right? This girl didn't do what he wanted, or he didn't go out with the girl that he wanted to go out with, or whatever may have happened. So now everybody has to feel his pain, you know? Or you know, maybe he was bullied when he was little, and you know, and, and like I've—I I've, was bullied when I was little. I was little, and I have had to confront that recently myself. So. I know that there are things that need to be intended to and wh- wh- what my concern is that is that he did try to speak out he did try to and I'm not trying to say that this is like a sympathy thing for him I'm just saying that there are things to do here and we're not doing them and we're expecting shit to change I
1: mean I think this goes you know you mentioned that. You know one side because there are two major sides here one side is always talking about mental health and one isn't and that's a whole another exhaustive conversation about that but it's this association again with like kind of masculinity vulnerability who's allowed to feel sympathy and allowed sympathy and you know what brokenness means in a spectrum of feeling and pain and mental health issues. And I think at the core of this, if you're talking at the core of this main issue being about masculinity and why that's not being addressed, why are we not assessing at the core issue of that's this this kind of even deeper cut, why are we not talking about how everything isn't black and white, how everything isn't binary, and how... We can't easily sum up an issue, a pain, a problem in one or the other. I
0: I really, I can't help but feel like, you know, this, you know, when it's a young woman who's having feelings of of rejection, of hurt and pain, you know, she knows that she can go and talk to someone. She can talk to her friends. She could talk to her counselor. She can talk to her, you know, mom. I mean obviously this is a gross generalization, but generally pe- women are encouraged and expected to be able to speak their feelings as long as it doesn't incriminalize a man. As long as it's not incriminalized and actually calling <laughs> a man to, to, to justice about wrong actions like we saw this year, then it's perfectly fine. There's no backlash, right? Like women speak up about their feelings. That's what women do.
1: What I think is funny here is, and funny because I've, I feel this and i've felt this many times it's like so in most cases we were saying that men aren't allowed to be vulnerable or emotional or share their feelings and we kind of have to kind of compartmentalize everything and then compact it down and pretend it's not their right repression right but then when we we understand that you know on the opposite side of the binary like women are allowed to be emotional and we're, uh, women are allowed to be vulnerable and like kind of be completely carefree with their emotions to a place that is freedom, right? And in a certain way, I can get frustrated about that. I'm like, why do you get to have the ability to just be free and just be la-di-da and like be feel one emotion one second and feel another emotion another because I have to repress everything and I know this and like I almost have this like uh like meta awareness about the situation, but I can't do anything about it because what we always talk about is like these things are so systemized and they're forced upon us that we kind of have to fit these molds and as a man you're supposed to f- you feel obligated societally and pressured to fit this mold of what is masculine what is repression what is not being emotive right and knowing that but then seeing what you can't have just almost exacerbates that frustration but i wonder like if at any point in the shooter's mind, like there's also this amplified frustration because of he couldn't get the girl, but he also can't talk about his feelings about being sad about not getting the girl or any of his experiences where he may have felt vulnerable or sad or hurt, but can't talk about it and just being even more frustrated with that.
0: First of all, I just want to backtrack and say that the world is not incriminalized. It's incriminated. I do as a translator feel the need to correct myself. Anyway, um, I, I mean, thought I
1: th- you were using a word I didn't know. I was <laughs> like, cool, you're smarter than me. You just gone for this. I don't know.
0: <laughs> I just feel like if we're going to be talking about compassion, we're going to need to address the fact that there is strength and vulnerability in everybody, and that when there are signs that we address them and address the actual cause, not just the symptom, right? And I feel like really what we're doing here with this gun control situation with, you know, the, the the way that we're just completely ignoring mental health is putting a band-aid on or trying to put a band-aid on something. I mean, obviously gun control is necessary. I mean, like, clear. But I just feel like the conversation of legislating control is not gonna go as far as providing support and resources for people in need
1: look these fucking basketball players that i adore or hate named lebron james they make a lot of money and have these pr- these associations of hyper masculinity projected upon them but we see like demar Derozan tweet one of things of the ulster game about being depressed and how now kevin love's come out yeah. and now kelly Oubre's coming out and these men who were so associated like uh lebron james was to just shut up and dribble, like to be just these big, in most cases, black men, and just to be what it means to be men, if only one person can come out and open the conversation, we can see it's not just these big, macho, hyper-masculine, muscly men. These are people. And we can offer them. They have just as much right to feel sad, have mental health issues, frustrated no matter how much money they make no matter what position of status they are in the world and we can all offer them humanity and they can they can then do the same for each other and refract it back upon ourselves right i mean that's the joy of being in society and it's in the same thing that once we can see examples of like this like we are not men do not have to fit to the to the guards and the roles and the codes of what just be men and what we've been taught to be men like we can open up and be vulnerable and in a sense vulnerability is a strength like you've always said that encourages others to be vulnerable and like to share in something so profound but yet so almost as a treasure because we've locked it away when that is like the human experience
0: well i mean i guess what i'm really interested to find out is like what exactly does society get out of maintaining the status quo you know it's like i think we're we have to just be it it has got to be more than just that we're afraid of change i feel like if people are capable of evolving then like what like why keep these unhelpful constructs i mean i think some people will be like oh you know it's because of the differences in sexes like male female and it's human nature and you know this is the way that we're programmed and it's like well i don't think so um, I mean I have another theory I, I do think that masculinity the performance of masculinity is a profitable machine I mean I think that you know we saw the NRA well I don't think we did see the NRA come out and firstly kind of advocate for com- like keeping these these ridiculous I mean in my opinion ridiculous rules around like letting people who are super young buy by guns like not raising it to 21, it's like I can buy a gun, but I can't have a glass of wine legally, you know, in this country before the age of 21, which is insane. And I mean, I think that a very, very certain group profits from that. And I think that if we really take a look at it, you know, we, 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 it's always positioned as this kind of like whole shtick of like owning a gun is protection, is is for protection and recreation. But if we really take a look at who's using guns, who profits from people using guns, I think we'll see that there's like a very clear hierarchical divide, right? So, I mean, taking a look at a couple facts, you know, first of all, men are three times as likely to own a gun as women are, and they're more likely to use it for recreational purposes than they are um, for, for protection, which I think is kind of, I mean, it's not really all that surprising. I mean, it plays right into the gender roles that we've been that we've been taught our whole lives, right? It's like women need to be protected, so I'm gonna use the gun for protection. Men are manly, strong, you know, exciting about, I mean, excited about being able to provide for the family. So, you know, hunting, just target practice, whatever it is, you know, that, that kind of feeds into that performance of masculinity is it right like it'll obviously work I mean but one thing that's a staggering statistic which I didn't know is that 42 percent of American households actually have at least one gun in them which is insane I mean that's crazy but you know if we think about the fact that you know the gun industry is an 11 billion dollar a year industry then it starts to make a little sense why we are so invested in well not we but there's a certain sector who happens to have a humongous amount of, uh, of um, influence on our legislative body right now, who is super invested in making sure that America continues to buy and use guns at staggering rates.
1: Look, I grew up in the Texas Panhandle. A lot of my friends now there have guns. Growing up, I was around kids who hunted and there was that societal pressure uh to like as a man in this area like you just want to shoot a gun right and but what you know you're putting out and what we're learning is that whether it's the nra or other groups or people who are who have derived benefits from people owning guns there, you know, there is kind of this incentive to continue to have very rigid gender roles. You know, and for the layman who, like myself, was a kid in Texas who just didn't want to shoot a gun my friends did, did we know that? Did we keep that in the back of our minds? Were we critical thinking about that in that stage? No, it was like some kids wanted to own guns and some didn't. Some wanted to hunt. Some were taught to hunt by their father, so then they entailed, wanted to keep on that tradition, and that was a tradition they wanted to pass on to their kids. But whether it's those traditions or it's those, you know, something you as a person just generally desire, like there is, again, an incentive for industries to have rigid gender roles. Not only to keep like sales in various industries, but also to make sure that, you know, unfortunately, and this is not probably the most popular take, but make sure that mental health is not a priority and how it keeps the whole system going and going and it just yields to unprecedented mass incarceration, you know, creating this industrial prison complex that we've discussed recently. And the list goes on and on.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think, like, I I don't have the exact numbers on, like, the amount of profit that the industrial prison complex is generating every day, but I'm most positive that it's definitely in the billions. Um, And I think that, you know, while our other countries have their own issues and their own gender dynamics that they deal with, which are pretty similar to ours, but you know, definitely uh, upheld with different types of structures, um, older structures. I do think that the United States, as a younger country, is in a position to make things a little bit better for its citizens, but it chooses
1: not to. What's funny is, like, do people realize, like, America's only been around, like, less than three hundred years. Like that's crazy and just geographically how big we are and how much we've I hate to use the word evolved, but evolved, changed, grown, like in those less than three hundred years and to be such like a, a quote unquote melting pot with like ethnic and cultural diversity, granted at the loss of the indigenous peoples and the genocide of the indigenous peoples. But with all that in mind, like just to think about what has happened and what has changed in such a small span versus like what we think of like Western European countries who have been around for almost two millennia in certain ways, like, we are a brand-new country that's constantly changing and constantly forcing ourselves to change, and we have a, an incredible society of individuals who are always expecting change and wanting change and self-determining that change. Agreed. And I, and I, I could only hope and believe that that can continue.
0: I mean, it's like to your point about the fact I mean to be honest when you said 300 I was like hmm is it but really it actually is less than 300 years old and to I think a point that we made actually when when Hudson was here was that you know it's all created I mean we have the power to create the shit that we want to have our society have in it and I think that you know we have like this sh- these these binary structures or whatever that have been put in place to kind of keep the system going but i think it's really important to remind ourselves all day every day that these systems can be recreated to work for what we want it to work for and i think like i don't know i just think that a lot of times we think that there's like forces beyond our control and it's like important to remember that these elected officials that are doing the things that they're doing are doing those things with are backing because we put them there but i feel like there are other ways right that like there are other industries that exploit gender roles in ways that are deemed so normal and so impregnated in our culture but again could just be changed if we chose to change it
1: i mean i think if we look at like the mainstream film industry which you know i love my movies it's 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 a fucking prime example of a sector making huge profit off maintaining gender roles, right? Like, movies that make the most money usually include guns and a guy who's the superhero or the hero. And then we wonder, you know, why mass shootings happen.
0: And honestly, I mean, looking this up and researching into this, like, little bit or whatever, I was, like, thinking to so, I was like, you know what? Like, let's think about this a little bit. Like, is it really that, like, when you have, a, like... Because, like, movies where there's a hero who's a man, movies, like, you know, so many formulaic Hollywood movies, right? They've been done over and over again, right? So there's a sense that people know how to do those really well. They know how to create a winning formula. Is it just that movies that have a man as, the like, the front runner are actually usually better written because... Are just better and better made because we've done it so long, and the answer is no. Rotten Tomatoes, you know, Roger and Eber, whatever—all the people who have like all the critics who have the, those really trusted reviews. Women-led movies and men-led movies are of the same quality. So when we're ta- when we're thinking about the fact that you know men-led movies gross 10 million dollars more in the box office than women-led movies do my personal take on it is that it has to do with who we qualify as hero and who we qualify as a supporting character and I think that we trust that the movie is going to be good because the the dude is on the front page because we're just used to having men as heroes I mean I was just at the I mean you know you guys will hear this a little bit but for International Women's Day, I went to a panel with Denai Gurira, shout out to Okoye and Reese Witherspoon. Shout out to Okoye. And
1: Wakanda forever. For
0: Wak- Wakanda for motherfucking ever. And she actually said something that you said when we were talking about um when we were talking about Wakanda. She said that she had heard that a lot of people when they went to see the movie were like, she said that there was one young man who said something to the effect of, I never thought that women could be generals. And if she, and what I, the, one of the things that I thought about was what if she had been the one, like what if she had been T'Challa, right? Like what if, if, if there hadn't been the president of Black Panther being a man, which we already know and we already want Shuri to be the next Black Panther, right? But what if it had just started with Shuri? What if it had just started with, let's say, a standalone Okoye movie? We all know that she kicked ass, but would we have been as ready to go see that movie if it had started with her? You know, and I think it it, it has everything to do with who we think of as masculine. It is necessary for more movies to be ha- to have... Uh, men characters right now because we think men are the heroes so where the change starts is us shifting our thinking and starting to understand that women can also be heroes and men can be very effective and amazing supporting characters as well so that we can create a little bit of equality in the mix right because then we can actually start to see a shift in gender roles and understand that the entitlement to women's bodies the lack of support for men is actually just something that we manufactured and it doesn't really have to be this way
1: we have have these associations these these really deeply embedded associations with what is a hero what is a leader right and how that is problematic is yes that you know that keeps one we'll say in this case say gender out as a secondary role right but it also is unfair to those who are within the primary role but who don't associate with being a leader or a hero and puts them in an unfair position to where that they have to make decisions or be put in an elevated place where they don't want to be or they don't feel comfortable or they are just not in a place to be that leader or hero and when they're put in that unfair position that is compromising for them they then themselves as the individuals themselves feel broken feel wrong and feel slighted because we are in such a strict and rigorous codified society of who can be a hero who can be a leader and if we can slowly but efficiently move ourselves out of this kind of binary which you're incredibly talking about which we're kind of seeing happen so rapidly at least in you know in film and in the pop culture that we engage with we can start to see that it's not such a rigorous thing about a man needs to be a hero, a man can be a leader, a woman is just there to support, or a woman is just there to, you know, worship, you know, kind of the male hero. But anyone, man doesn't, fuck man, fuck women, fuck sis, like anybody can be a hero if they have the qualities to be the hero. Anybody can be a leader. If they possess the abilities and the ambition and the, and the wherewithal to be a leader, I want to see anybody who can lead me well, lead. I don't give a fuck.
0: And, and this is a perfect segue, actually, because I, I love what you said about you know the fact that not every man wants to be on the front line. You know, like there are a lot of people actually who can lead from the back of the room or lead from from the from from the audience. You know, and I think that that you know just to praise Wakanda a little more. Uh, I think that's one thing that forever I think that's one thing that you know in Black Panther which which was so great was that everybody was united for Wakanda and it and it had everybody understand that they played a part so everybody was important just because you're not Black Panther or T'Challa does not mean that your role is not pivotal to the way that society is gonna go and I think that this is really when we take a look at like like why like why are we even having this conversation right about like how gender roles and like the the performance of masculinity and and expectations of men and women and everyone in between and outside of that directly contribute to this ma- these mass industries that we've created in this country because what ha- was happened inherently is that there's a, a hierarchical structure that has us, I mean, and this is the theory, you know, a lot of my friends know, I'm always talking about Hunger Games, right? It's like, you've got the 1% at the top, and everybody is fighting for the scraps at the bottom. And there's no sense of unity, because we're all battling each other for upward mobility into this 1% that, let's be honest, just in the past five years, the Federal Reserve has done all kinds of shit to make sure that that's not going to happen, right? I mean. We have people that are I mean, of course, we've got, you know, like athletes making millions of dollars and stuff now. But anyway, all this to say that, you know, if we really take a look at the ways that we've been structured, the things that we consider masculine, let's take a look working really hard being a provider being physically strong bringing the bacon home or you know vegan bacon home there's this, like this notion that the masculinity that we've that we've cultivated as a society that what we what we think of as masculine there's like something about it that is like a guy has to be like a hard worker I'm thinking like a blue like blue collar right working with his hands like protecting with his body like all of these things that have to do with like a man's physical ability to do things which if we take a look at who are the most powerful people in society in the sense that they can literally dictate the way that your whole life is gonna go by putting things in place like i mean how to really put this in the words right like just the system these guys are behind closed doors nobody knows who they are they're operating levels that have nothing to do with like being the protector and being the provider they're out for themselves and they're creating structures to make sure that the whole 99% is working to make them richer and I feel like that's such a that's that's so separate from the construct of masculinity that we have been nurturing for so long, and I think that as long as we continue to focus on that as a society, then we'll continue to have this like notion of like we need to struggle, we need to work really hard, we need to like provide for our families and beat out the next guy so that we can be on top and make sure that we're okay. It's kind of like notion of like scarcity, and then we don't we won't actually ever attain it. I don't know, I mean, does that make sense? yeah,
1: I mean, I think. We humans fall prey to this idea of, or not fall prey, we, we practically employ narrative. And in America, we've been force-fed through our history, through our fucking folklore of, like, Paul Bunyan and Joseph Smith and the colonists, whatever. Like, the American struggle and the American dream and blue-collar American and you work hard as an immigrant and you come here and you can make something yourself. And that's the narrative we've been force-fed. And that's the narrative we all subscribe to. That's what it is to be American. In reality, is that' what's really happening? Are we competing against one another that to attain something that we can you know rightfully claim as ours while you know a f- few billionaires sit out there and hold all the wealth and all the power and control the controls that keep us away from that? Maybe. I think it's more important to understand like how what the narratives are that we adopt and and this kind of reverts itself back into like masculinity. I mean the, the masculinity that we're constantly entertaining and we're talking about this mask with a hard K, this this mask that is a like meta um, a metaphorical mask that we as men put on and individuals universally can put on. It's a narrative, it's a story we keep telling ourselves, it's a story we keep hearing, it's a story we keep interacting with, again, in the TVs, in the movies, in the sports, like, that we watch, like, and once we can stop, once we can see it as just a story, just a fairy tale, not something that we have to live by, not something that we have to subscribe to as our Bible, as our dogma, as our doctrine, right? It's just a story, and we can change the story. And that's what's the coolest part. We can redefine, repurpose, rewrite this story. And I hope that's what we're doing. And that's what I'm excited about. And like you said, like this American struggle, this American competition for a limited amount of resources and limited amount of wealth is the wrong story.
0: I think that these narratives that we keep on telling ourselves and that we keep on, you know, interacting with and we keep on, um, that we pass down from generation to generation are what has created such a huge class divide. And I think that when we think about binary and we think about, you know, bipartisanship, you know, uh, black, white, uh, you know, male, female, uh, you know, Muslim, Christian, We are sort of failing to see how those exact things are put in place such that we're just we just stay on the bottom, man.
1: Well, I mean, it's fine to say that they're put in place, but we have to see that we're employing them.
0: Right. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, the culpability is the responsibility is just as much as it is on ourselves as the quote unquote man in the high tower like we fall prey to employing these stories and these binaries and we are just as culpable and to act like the responsibility is not ours is problematic we need to own that and that's what's cool about this conversation is we're seeing all these intersections of the said binary the said story as i went fucking monologue about (laughs) but we are the ones as individuals as you and me and everyone listening it's uh, it's up to us we got to Start listening with smart ears and looking with smart eyes and seeing the binary and seeing the mass and seeing the stories and start thinking smartly and living creatively and getting excited about living a new story.
0: I just, you know, I'm grateful to be here. I'm, I'm very inspired by the work that people are doing these days to give voice to people who wouldn't normally have it. I'm really inspired by... The work that people are doing every day to like without thanks, really. Right. I mean, they're just doing it because, you know, people like, you know, like Hudson Taylor, people like Alejo Rodriguez, you know, who who have come on the show and talked about their unique experiences, making sure that people have the space, people are supported, you know, and a lot of those people are men. A lot of people, uh, those people are, and you know, Yuval Moses, right? And that, and I, I just, I'm grateful to be here. I'm grateful that we can foster this conversation. And um, I just impress upon you to be somebody around whom this kind of compassion and support can also occur. Thank you for listening. Uh, we hope that, you know, you will share this conversation with your friends and think about the ways that you can be a source of compassion and support in the world today. Cause Lord knows we need it. Um, where can we find, where can you find us? Masculinity pod with a K always at Twitter and, uh, at masculinity podcast on Facebook. Our email is masculinity podcast at Um, my name is Samantha Zessi.
1: My name is Roy George Philip. The first.
0: And this has been masculinity. Thank you for listening. Peace. Ciao.